Hear the word of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of Christ. So I'd like to invite Nancy to come up for the uh, sermon. And do you mind if I pray for you? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we pray now for all of us that you would open our hearts to receive the word that you have given uh, to Nancy to share with us. So bless her, anoint her, and Lord, may we all be enriched by what is said here today. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The Apostle John records seven I am statements of Jesus. The first is in John 6.35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And the last is in today's gospel, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. I encourage you to take time at home to look up each of these I am statements in John's gospel. I think it would make a great Bible study. Now, Jesus' use of the words I am is very significant. You will recall in the Old Testament When God called Moses to deliver his people from Egypt, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What then shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am is God's name. And I think we can make a direct link from that to Jesus' use of I am, as recorded in the New Testament. It's one of the ways that he reveals that he is God. So in our gospel today, Jesus says, I am the true vine. In the Old Testament, The imagery of a vine is used to refer to Israel. The Israelites were chosen by God to be his special people. He revealed himself to them so that they would be a means of blessing and salvation for all nations. We know from reading the Old Testament, they failed miserably in this. They were unable to obey God's commands, 
and they were unfaithful to him through their idolatry. So even though God planted Israel as a vine, so to speak, it did not produce the fruit he was looking for. But Jesus, on the other hand, he says, I am the true vine. Jesus is the one who fully reveals who God is and who fulfills God's work of saving the nations. The imagery in our gospel passage then is that Jesus is the vine, his followers are the branches, and God the Father is the gardener. There is a lot in these eight verses, and time is short, so I've picked just three things that I want to draw our attention to. The first is pruning. In verse 2, we read, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. So pruning involves not just cutting out dead parts, but also cutting back the live plant so that it can produce more fruit or flowers. And I confess that I'm not very good at knowing how to prune. <laughs> and my rose bushes have borne the brunt of that over the years. But fortunately, our Heavenly Father is a master gardener. And he knows what he's doing when he prunes. So what does God's pruning look like in our lives? I think it takes many forms. It may be a sense of conviction by the Holy Spirit that we're grieving him with our thoughts or words or actions. Or God may allow circumstances in our lives that encourage us to rearrange our priorities so that he is at the center of our lives. Or perhaps he puts us in situations that challenge us to trust him in deeper ways than we ever have before. You know, we're all different. And God works in our lives in different ways. What he does in my life may be very different from what he does in your life. But the end goal is the same, to make us more fruitful. The writer to Hebrews helps us understand what God is doing when he prunes or disciplines us. As we read in Hebrews 12, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God is a hands-on type of father, and he takes an active interest in the spiritual growth of all his children. And so he prunes us as he sees we need it. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis has written a great description of what God is up to in our lives. So we'll leave the image of a vine for a minute and think of ourselves as houses. Okay, C.S. Lewis writes, Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you understand what he's doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. 
You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. I love that image of God doing a renovation of our lives. Not just patching us up, but remaking us to reflect who he has called us to be. But back to the vine in John chapter 15. Okay? The second thing I'd like us to consider is bearing fruit. From verse 5 we read, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now that makes sense, right? A branch bears fruit because it's attached to the vine. It produces fruit by absorbing nutrients from the vine and by being exposed to the light. So think of it. Vines, or perhaps we should talk about trees, because I think... Uh, we're much more familiar with uh, trees and uh, grapevines. So if you have a healthy apple tree, it produces apples. That's what it was created to do. And verse 5 tells us that followers of Christ are created to be fruitful. Now what kind of fruit I think we could start by the fruits of the spirits in Galatians 5. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think the fruit God is seeking to produce in us also includes the sense of his followers leading productive lives. Doing good deeds, being good neighbors, good spouses, good parents, good employees, good citizens, and being useful in building his kingdom in this world. So God prunes us to make us bear more fruit, and Jesus promises we will be fruitful. The only requirement on our part is to remain in him. In other words, stay close to Jesus. It reminds me of the song we used to sing in Sunday school. You know, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And there is no other way to be fruitful. But notice what Jesus says at the end of verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, really? There are a lot of people in this world who do not follow Jesus. And many of them do a lot of things that are good and helpful. So what might Jesus mean here? 
First, we need to remember that he's speaking to his disciples. And he's teaching them the things they need to know in order to carry on his work after he's gone back to his father. And this is not a work they can do on their own. And nor can we. I heard it explained once like this. The things that we do in our own strength and without depending on Jesus are as nothing in his sight. They're just wood, hay, and straw of no eternal significance. To quote another well-known Christian author, A.W. Tozer once said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. Now that's a sobering thought, and I, <laughs> I hope it's not true. <laughs> uh, but it certainly should make us stop and think and re-examine. You know, how do we know if we're being led by the Spirit? There is no formula for it. Except what Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of John, where he says, My sheep listen to my voice, and they follow me. And that points to our relationship with him and the need to stay close to him. And so Jesus' warning to us in today's gospel is, stay close to me because apart from me you can do nothing. Finally, the third thing we'll look at is praying. In verse 7 we read, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is an amazing promise. But it is not a blank check guaranteeing we'll get everything we pray for. There are conditions. Number one, we must remain in Jesus. As I just said a minute ago, we must stay close to him through our trust and obedience. Now, I'm not talking about being a perfect Christian. None of us perfect this side of heaven. But thank God that our failures do not define us. God's grace offers us a new start every day. On the other hand, we could be sure if we are knowingly compromising with sin in any area of our lives, it will impact our relationship with Jesus. And it will impact our prayers. Another condition Jesus mentions is that his words must remain in us. This comes back to the image of the branches drawing their sustenance from the vine. We need to be feeding ourselves on the word of God. We certainly have no trouble feeding our bodies three or more times a day. So let's pay attention to what we're feeding our souls. If we truly are staying close to Jesus, reading his word, trusting in him, obeying what we know to be his will, that will be reflected in our prayers. We will be asking for the things that align with God's heart. Still, I'm sure that we have all struggled with prayers that seem to be unanswered sometimes for years. So what do we make of that? 
especially in light of this promise? Well, I think we should remind ourselves God's timetable may be different from ours. So sometimes God's answer may be not yet. I think that's why Jesus encouraged his disciples to persevere in prayer and not to give up hope. Still, we need to acknowledge God may say no to some of our prayers because he knows what we're asking for is not the best for us or because he has other plans and purposes. I think of the Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh, that some sort of physical uh, ailment that he asked God to remove three times. But God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So if God says no to some of our prayers, we're in good company. But the Bible is full of verses encouraging us to pray, to pour out our hearts to God to implore him to intervene in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. It's not that we're making demands of God. We're praying what we think is right. And we're trusting God to answer as he sees best. So in conclusion, three things to take away from this message. The first is pruning. As followers of Christ, we can expect that God will be at work pruning us. So let's ask the Lord to teach us how to cooperate with him in that process. Two, bearing fruit. As followers of Christ, we are created to be fruitful, to be Christ-like in our character and productive in our lives and ministries. So let's ask the Lord to teach us how to stay close to Jesus and how to draw upon his grace to help us produce fruit that will glorify him. And third, as followers of Christ, we have the promise that he hears us when we pray. So let's ask the Lord to teach us more of what it means to bring everything to him in prayer. May God bless you. Thank you so much for your sharing today, Nancy. And uh, ask um, if we could.